the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For once we allow the enemy to control our thoughts, anything is possible. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 22, and I entitled this message, Voices. Because there's a lot of voices out there today. In fact, there's a lot of noise, and it's all competing for our attention. Every voice wants to be heard. Every voice wants us to join their voice. Every voice wants us to support them. It's amazing how many voices are screaming for our attention. There's the environmental voice that's concerned with climate change, which causes less snow and ice, resulting in high, you know, rising uh, sea levels or lower into the sea levels and abnormal weather patterns. Then there's the vaccination voice. We all have to be vaccinated. We have to protect the vaccinated. Wait a second. I thought you got vaccinated to protect from the unvaccinated. No, no. Now you have to be vaccinated to protect the vaccinated because if you're vaccinated, you can still get COVID. So anyway, it doesn't even make any sense. But of course, everyone wants you on their bandwagon. Then there's a voice of pop culture. It's filled with so many voices and it's numbing to the ears and the mind. Just so much social media noise, noise, noise that's filled with all the hot button topics, uh, health care, immigration, uh, discrimination and a host of other issues. Yes, there's a lot of voices out there and it seems like there's a voice for every ear. It was Christian pastor and author Max Lucado who said this quote, two types of voices command our attention today. Negative ones that fill our minds with doubt, bitterness, and fear, and positive ones that purvey hope and strength. Which one will you choose to listen to? See, that's a great question. Which voice will you and me listen to out there? We see a sharp divide in our country, do we not, here today? Is there really just two sides? Is there really just the left and the right? You know, where's the balance in all of this? Well, the balance will always, always be found in the Word of God. Why? Because man will never be able to create what is right and wrong himself. For every time in the history of humanity that finding social and cultural correctness is left up to man, he always seems to mess it up every time. That's why you never see a kingdom or a nation that lasts continuously. 
Let's not forget, even though America is a superpower, even though we are one of the most prosperous nations, although we're kind of losing that right now, but anyway, one of the most prosperous nations that have ever existed, we're only 245 years old, and we are starting to fade. We're already starting to see our foundation crumbling under our feet, and we're 245 years old. We now have a $30 trillion debt, and we're trying to add to that already. Now, Rome was one of the longest-lasting world-governing empires. They lasted for like 1,400 years. But most of governments all around the world, from the beginning of time, the average lifespan of a government is 250 years. Again, we're 245 years now. But how did Rome fall? Because that was one of the longest-lasting. Rome fell from within. They fell from political corruption. They fell from sexual corruption. Yet, they completely fell from within. No one conquered them. Egypt was a world-governing empire, and they also fell, as was the Persian Empire, the Aztec Empire, the Macedonian Empire, and consider Great Britain. Just a 100 years ago, 100 years ago, it looked like they were going to be a world-governing empire because at the height of their global power in 1920, the British Empire was over some 458 million people. That was one quarter of the world's population at that time. And they ruled one quarter of the world's total land area. That's crazy. But what happened to them today? Now they just have their own little country and they oversee Australia and New Zealand. Like they're a shadow of what they used to be because man will always do what? Man will always ruin things. You know, that's the point. Man cannot govern himself successfully. That's what history has told us. We usually learn nothing from history, but if you do look at history, that's what it teaches us. Why again? Because man will always do what he feels is right in his own eyes. And that means that he will gravitate away from the standard and the rule of truth that God has given to us to live by in his word. We see this back in the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. We're told in Genesis 6.1, it says, Now it came about... When men began to multiply on the face of the land, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. This is Genesis 6. We're six chapters into the history of humanity, okay? And God says, I see that the wickedness of man is great upon the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Of course, you go on to read and it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it was right after that, because of the wickedness of man, that God destroyed the entire earth. Every single human being, except for Noah, his wife, his three sons, and his three sons' wives. Amazing, but true. Yes, it's a sad commentary for humanity. When we're left on our own, when we reject God, and we want to do it our own way, it never works out for man. Notice how God said in Genesis 6 that he was sorry that he made man that he was grieved in his heart. Yes, man grieved the heart of God. Being grieved means that it hurt God. It caused sorrow for him. I wonder if we ever think about that when we cause 
hurt and sorrow to fall on our Lord and Savior by disobeying him. Yes, we actually grieve the heart of God when we willingly disobey and sin against him. We are exhorted in Ephesians 4.30, it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed until the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us. Remember, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you're the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? So he goes wherever you go and he sees everything that you see. Yes, from Genesis throughout the Bible, we read of the ramifications of God's people disobeying him. What God has established in his word, that is, and that's how we know what correct living is, by what God has shared with us, meaning God has established what is right and wrong. And he's able to do that because he's the creator. So he can say, this is how you're supposed to live. Well, who are you to say that? Uh, The one who made your heart and your chest beat with no batteries. That's who. So God gives us parameters to stay within. And when we stay within the parameters that God gives us, we can live a tranquil life. This is why we're exhorted to live godly lives in 1 Timothy 2.1. It says, first of all, then, I urge you uh, that entities and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made on the behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. And when we don't do this, we end up like those described in the last verse of the book of Judges. We're told in Judges 21, 25, it says, And in those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Yes, it always will not work when you go away from what God's word says, period. It's just the way it is. Even if you're God's chosen people, for even Israel, they fell in 70 AD. Their whole country completely fell apart, and they were completely disbanded throughout the world with no country for 1,878 years because they rejected the repeated warnings from God to do what? To repent. They refused to repent and turn back to God. Well, America, are we going to turn back to God? Because now we're starting to see all of our things that used to be solid, they're starting to fall apart. Our cities are starting to become more and more unsafe. At what point do we turn back to God, or do we just keep letting it go the way it's going? You know, are we going to go by the wayside like every other nation before us has gone by the wayside? There's a reason why they say the average nation has only lasted 250 years. Why? Because people just start doing their own thing, and it always ends up in the same predicament, and that's where we are here again today. Jesus said this concerning the state of the world before he promised to return and take his church home before the great apocalypse, and that, of course, is God's judgment that is coming for planet earth that has rebelled against him. So this will lead into the seven-year tribulation period as described in the book of Revelation, but this is what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 36. He says, But of the day and the hour that he's coming back, no one knows, nor the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like in the days of Noah. So we read about the days of Noah just a moment ago in 
what? Genesis chapter 6. And God said that the wickedness of man was completely unhinged, and God was grieved that he even made man. So now, Jesus is saying, when you see the times around you looking like the days of Noah, it's going to be right before my return. For in those days before the flood, this is what it was like. They were eating, they were drinking, they were partying, they were marrying, they were given in marriage. Or no one was staying married. There was sexual sin until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So it's going to be like in Noah's day. It's going to be like, oh my goodness, you know, everyone's going to be doing what they want to do. They're going to be partying. They're going to be doing this. No one's going to stay married. There's going to be a a ton of sexual sin. And that's what it's going to be like. And they didn't believe that he was coming back. They didn't believe that God was going to judge because the Bible calls Noah a preacher of righteousness, meaning he was out there speaking the truth the hundred years it took him to build the ark. Now, they lived a lot longer back then. God allowed man's lifespan to be eight, nine hundred years back then. So it took a hundred years to build the ark. So there was a hundred years of Noah preaching to the people, God is going to bring judgment, you must repent. Everyone's like, no, not going to happen. We've been alive for 400 years. It's gonna, things are just going to keep going, just like people now. It's like, uh, you know, everything's been going. They've been talking about Jesus coming back forever. Every generation talks about that. And here we are still here. He's not coming back. Jesus Christ is coming back. And he'll come back when the world least expects it, just like in Noah's day. Yet for us who believe, it shouldn't catch any of us by surprise. Why? Because we should all have ears to hear what God has clearly told us in his word. Eyes to see how our current culture and the current events that we're living in right now, how all of these things should affect our hearts and how we serve God as vessels of honor, proclaiming him as the only true answer to all of the woes that our world is facing today. Well, in previous chapters here, we're looking at 1 Samuel 22, but in previous chapters, now King Saul is the first king of Israel, and he is bound and determined to kill David. Now, why would he want to kill David? He put David in charge of his military. Why? Because David came in when King Saul was frightened and scared, and all of the Israeli army was frightened because a big giant that was nine foot six inches tall was challenging the armies of Israel to come down, send a man to fight me, and whoever wins, either if you win, then the Philistines will serve you, and if I win, you'll serve us Philistines. So this went on for like 40 days. Every morning, every night, this big giant. Imagine, and I'm sure this guy wasn't a toothpick, okay? This guy was a a huge human being, nothing like we've ever seen in our lifetime. I mean, this guy's a massive beast. So he's sitting there challenging the armies of Israel. King Saul, who the Bible says was head and shoulders above the rest, he should have been the one out there and fighting Goliath. But you know what he's saying? That guy's a beast. I'm not going out there. I mean, that guy will kill me. So here comes little David. He's like a teenager. 
He's like, who knows, 13, 14 years old. He hears Goliath out there challenging and mocking God. And he's like, who is that guy? He has no right to challenge my God. And so David goes down there. And he takes on Goliath and dropped him like a bad habit. It's like, oh my goodness. When King Saul saw that, he took and put David, this teenager, in charge of all of his army. And guess what the army did? Man, they were like, yes, we're going to battle with this kid because this kid ain't afraid of nothing. These, these soldiers, they were just like, I'll go anywhere this kid wants to go and I'll fight anywhere because God is with him and I know that we're going to be victorious. And that's what happened. And they killed all the armies of the Philistines. The women would sing out, you know, Saul's killed his thousands, but David, hoo-hoo, ooh la la, David has killed his ten thousands. And the women were just like, oh man, they're singing the praises of David. Well, that got under the skin of King Saul. And he could not stand it. And he was determined because of his jealousy and his envy to kill David. He had been allowed to go unchecked and Saul completely got out of control here. And he's acting like a madman, fully out of control. What a lesson for all of us to learn. When we neglect God's word on loving those around us, to never allow jealousy a foothold in our hearts, to set aside all envy and strife, to always forgive those around us, when we refuse to do those things, then we too could be driven to jealousy and envy to the point of hate. And that's when you start doing things you should have never done. This is the fruit of what happens when you have no unforgiveness and those emotions run unchecked in our hearts. Well, this all caused David to go on the run. He's fleeing for his life. He only has the clothes on his back. And he ends up fleeing to a cave at Adullam. Adullam in the Hebrew means a place of refuge. It was there in David's desperation that he saw the miraculous happen. 1 Samuel 22.2 said that everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented in life gathered themselves to David. Why is that? When people are down and people don't know which way to turn, people are drawn to the desperation of one that they know loves God. All those who were considered rejects of society, those whose society had turned away, all those who had lost their way, all those who had lost their hope, they saw something in David. This man, even though he was on the run, they knew that he was a man of God. In fact, God's the one that said, David is a man with a heart after me. This man who was being hunted like a wild animal. For what David could not see in himself, these people saw in the desperation and they were drawn to David. And they rallied together around David in Adullam, this place of refuge. Which should be a reminder to us all. 
when we face times of great uncertainty, when we face times of horrendous hardship and trial, we must not look for refuge and safety in any place outside of the arms of our gracious and merciful God. That's why David, when he was running from Saul, he said this in Psalm 18.1. He says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. He's my God and my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I am saved from my enemies. I mean, how do you write something like that when you're on the run for your life? When the king and all the armies are trying to trace you down. And what does David say? Oh, yeah? God is my rock. He is my strength. See, we must cling to this. This is why the Old Testament has been written. It says in Romans 15, 4, it says, These things have been written for our instruction so that we could find hope. So if you're, if you're fearing and you're afraid and you don't know what to do and I don't know where to turn next, it's like, do what David did. Find God as your stronghold. Find him as your refuge. Let the Lord God be your rock. I wonder where we find our refuge when we're down and out. For it certainly cannot be found back in the areas of sin that we once were entrapped to. That's why we cannot go back to what used to leave us empty in the past before we came to Christ. As we just take a little peek here into this book of 1 Samuel, as we read our point here, the voice of wisdom, we'll read here in 1 Samuel 22, verse 3. And it says, And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and my mother come and stay with you until I know what God will do for me. Then he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all of the time that David was in the stronghold. And the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold, depart, and go into the land of Judah. So David departed, and he went into the forest of Hereth. We'll stop there for a moment. Now, notice, David knew the wickedness of King Saul. Let's not forget, up to this point, he tried to kill him already twice. So David knew, again, the wickedness of King Saul. For once we allow the enemy to control our thoughts, anything is possible. David understood that his family was not safe. So he asked a favor of the king of Moab. And for you Bible students out here tonight, David had some Moabite blood in him. Oh, yeah? How is that? I thought he was a Hebrew. He was a Jew. He was. But he had a little piece of Moab blood in him. For his great-grandmother was Ruth, and she was a Moabitess. David wanted to make sure his family was safe. Then, in verse 5, God raised up this prophet named Gad to be a voice of reason and a voice of wisdom. I wonder how many of you need to be a voice of wisdom and a voice of reason to those that are around us. If we are Christians, then we should be that voice of wisdom and that voice of reason to many people around us. Gad was actively involved with David from this point on. 
Again, I wonder if you have someone in your life or if you are that someone who is that constant voice of godly wisdom, someone who you can talk to. Maybe you need that person of wisdom. Maybe that's why you need to look around a little bit and maybe not run out of church so quickly and build relationships with people. For David, again, Gad was that man. He was that person. And we need that constant voice of wisdom. Someone who we can be around. Someone who we can get counsel from. Someone who can pray for us and we can pray for them. There are many joys in coming to church again. We can freely worship the Lord as we have this wonderful worship team that has assembled here at Core Church. And we can come and worship. And then we are challenged with God's Word since we don't compromise in the teaching of God's Word here as we walk through the Word of God. But don't miss out on the third most important thing about going to church. It's about the fellowship. Hebrews 10.24 says, We are to come together and stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.